welcome. We are glad that you joined us for this uh, first of sort of a Q&A session uh, that we are doing. And this was really born out of an idea uh, that we've been talking about for some time. Started with a blog and we've got that up and running now. But this is a little different than the format of our normal Sunday content. And uh, we just uh, thought this, this would cover some helpful material for our people and that um, it's an opportunity to take advantage of this time while we're not able to meet to do something that is more, more suited, more uh, uh, designed for this type of a format. So you even came up with a good name for this when we started talking about adding video blog posts. What did you say we should call it? Now that's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. So that's what we've done. This is, that's a good question. You are watching the first episode and uh, the format is kind of a Q&A and now as folks have heard us announce that this is coming, uh, several of you have asked, how do I send my question in? Well, <laughs> this, is, this one's kind of staged, not really staged, but we've got some questions already that we think would be helpful to answer. So we're starting with those and then we'll say a little more at the end about uh, if you do have suggestions for topic, topics or content, how you can get a hold of us. So for this week, now we've got the blog up and running and uh, we've had a couple of posts that are related. You've got the one post uh, that you wrote, who's behind your conspiracy theory? And then the other post, the church needs more wise guys and gals. And uh, they dealt with these topics separately, but uh, they're, they're related. And in them, you cited a number of uh, false stories that have made their way into uh, our community, the evangelical community over the years. And it raises the questions uh, and I actually asked you the question, do you think uh, Christians are particularly susceptible mm -hmm. to conspiracy theories and conspiratorial thinking? What do you think? You know, I don't uh, think there's evidence that necessarily Christians are more susceptible to thinking in terms of conspiracy theories. Uh, but that's not really what I'm interested in. I'm more interested in Christians not being just as good as the world in the way we think, but we need to be better than the world in the way we think. We, of all people, should be able to do that because we believe in the life of the mind. We believe that the mind is a gift from God to be used for his purposes and therefore to be used very carefully. So for Christians to be involved just as much as the world in false ways of thinking then is to betray this gift that God has, has given us to, to misuse that. The Bible says a lot about the, the mind. You know, Romans 12, 1, that uh, we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. In uh, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, it says that we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of, of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and as you know, the heart is the seed of the person and it includes our, our thinking and so the things we say the things we communicate they come out of the way we think Christian thinking needs to be careful thinking it needs mm -hmm. to be thinking that's consistent with God's thoughts theologians often say that we are to be thinking God's thoughts after him and so that's the way we need to present uh, the issues to the world and the world is looking at how we do this hmm. makes sense so if Christians aren't more susceptible, then why, you know, I, I watch on social media, why does it seem they so often do get caught up in these types of conspiracy theories? Well, 
The answer to that is pretty lengthy, so you'll be sorry. <laughs> That's but good. We get to fill the time. <laughs> to the extent that you know we're products of uh, the culture, then we are going to follow what the culture is doing, and the culture certainly is immersed in this kind of sloppy thinking, in this kind of conspiratorial thinking. Now, in the passage that I just cited a moment ago in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, actually, where it says, be not conformed, but be transformed, then, then we shouldn't be following what the culture is doing. We shouldn't be following what the world is doing. We should be setting the pace for that. But unfortunately, it's easy to be squeezed into the world's mold. That's what that is uh, translated as, actually, in Romans 12, 2, being conformed to the world. Some translations say, do not be squeezed into the world's mm -hmm. mold. But it's very easy to do that. So uh, the short answer to your question is that's why the world's doing it. And so we are picking up, we're absorbing what the world is, is doing. But there's a whole lot that is, is behind that. And uh, hopefully we'll have some time to talk about what has led us to this point in time in our culture such that we're absorbing what the world is doing and in many ways we're mimicking that. But I'll just say this for now, that it's good for us to try to set what's going on in our cultural setting, in our cultural moment, because the Bible's laid out that way. Mm -hmm. The New Testament in particular, the letters of the New Testament are often called occasional documents. And that's because they are written to address an occasion. They're written to address what's going on and then correct it with God's, with God's truth. So for us to have this discussion or any discussion about how should Christians be behaving at a particular time with regard to particular issues, it means we should set it in its, its context. We should have an understanding of what's going on that we are getting uh, unwittingly sucked into. Uh, and that means then taking a look at how we got here. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good, uh, I think, transition to that. When we first talked about this topic, uh, you had some very helpful things to say just in our informal conversation about that. So, so let's talk about that then, what's happening? How, how did we get here? Well, how we got here <laughs> involves a number of categories of cultural life. One of those is politics and government. And another is developments within, within the media. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the cultural war that's developed. So I'd like to talk a little bit about, about those. Yeah, uh, first, starting with uh, politics and, gov and government and how things have uh, transpired over the course, really, of, of my life. I'm 58. I was born in 62. And stay with us, those of you who are watching, because I'll try <laughs> to go through this fairly, fairly quickly. But I hope it'll be, it'll be helpful to help us see how we arrived at where we are and why we find ourselves battling in the marketplace of ideas the way we, the way we are. So going back just into my lifetime, you know, just before I was born, the president was uh, Dwight Eisenhower. Dwight Eisenhower was someone in whom the... Uh, the American uh, citizenry placed implicit trust. He led us to victory in World War II. And now he had been the president for eight years from 52 to 60. What Ike said, people believed. And most people had not experienced the government lying to them. They believed what the government would, would say. Now, there was an incident uh, in the last year of Eisenhower's presidency 
where the CIA had a reconnaissance plane going over the Soviet Union, and it, uh, it had a crash landing, and Gary Powers, who was the pilot, he was uh, imprisoned, and he was paraded before the cameras, and then the Eisenhower administration made up a story about why he was there, and it was a false story. Um, and that all came out in the press. And that was you know, somewhat surprising. One of the first times that the American people had been exposed to the government li lying to them. Hmm. They gave you know, Ike a pass. They gave the government mostly a pass because, hey, it's spying on the Soviets. It's another cause. If they're doing it to us, we're doing it, doing it to them. It's okay if we do yeah. it to the people we don't like. That's right. You know, but then that very year is when uh, JFK was elected uh, president. Just a few years later, he's assassinated. And then there are all of the conspiracy theories that go on to this day with regard to the assassination of, of John F. Kennedy. You had the Warren Commission, uh, and the Warren Commission did its work for about a year and a half, had a lot of prominent Americans on it. Earl Warren was the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Mm. Uh, you had Gerald Ford, who later became president. He was on the, the Warren Commission. They did their work, they put out their report, and as we all know, they said Oswald acted alone. And that has been studied and pilloried and disputed for decades since. Um, it, for some of the young people watching, maybe your only exposure to what happened with the assassination of Kennedy is watching the movie JFK. Mm -hmm. And 91, Oliver Stone puts out this movie the movie is based upon the conjecture, conjecture and really wild conjecture of a guy named Jim Garrison. He was the district attorney in New Orleans, and he had uh, filed all these court cases against people he believed were involved in the conspiracy to kill Kennedy. And he started making national, national news, so much so that he was on The Tonight Show with uh, Johnny Carson. Hmm. Uh, and you could, you could Google this, you could look this up, but the clip of Jim Garrison, Johnny Carson, and Johnny Carson who was a comedian, but was very deadly serious about this issue. And he was really pressing Jim Garrison to say, okay, you're saying all these people are involved in this conspiracy, but who gave the order to do this? Who was the one in charge? And Garrison's trying to you know, get around it, trying to dodge it. And finally Garrison says the President of the United States so on national television, he accuses Lyndon Johnson hmm. of being the one who, who did this. So it's, a, frankly, a wild conspiracy theory. It was made into a movie, Hollywood Can Do Magic. And hmm. so lots of people, that's, that's all they know uh, about that. So you, you, you had that. And then you, you, you move forward. You got In the 60s, you got the Vietnam War going. Mm -hmm. And the government is trying to put a happy face upon the, the war. They're trying to say, we're winning the war. But the truth came out that, in fact, they were lying about that. That the Pentagon Papers, which was another scandal, came out in 71, uh, were leaked to the New York Times. The New York Times published those. Um, it went to the Supreme Court, but they ultimately ended up publishing them. And they proved that the government knew that we were actually losing the war, but were telling the public that we were, we were winning it. And then you get into the 70s. You got Nixon. You got the Watergate scandal. This is more uh, distrust now between the American people and their, and their government. Mm -hmm. After Nixon resigns in 1975, you had a, a, a series of Senate uh, hearings 
called the church, uh, led by the church committee. This was led by a senator named Frank Church from Idaho. Mm -hmm. And they were looking into all of the things that our CIA had been involved in over mm -hmm. decades and putting them out there in public. And this was new to people, to learn that the CIA had secretly mm -hmm. been engaged in assassinations in other countries, overthrowing other uh, governments and, and so on. Out of the, the church committee then came some laws that put some restrictions upon what our intelligence agencies could, could do. So then you go forward, mm -hmm. you go into the Reagan administration, you got the Iran-Contra affair. You know, so now people in my lifetime have gone from implicitly trusting the government right. to distrusting the government. Yeah. So that's a big part of now what contributes to the cultural mindset that is willing to believe and ready to believe in conspiracies. Yeah, well, and, it, and I think it raises the question, then, there are these conspiracies, so, you know, what's wrong with me seeing a conspiracy? Maybe there is one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and all this stuff going on in secret, how do I know what's true? Exactly. Yeah, no, that's right. So when guys like me, guys like us say, hey, don't, don't get, be a conspiracy theorist. Don't get involved in conspiracy theories. We are not saying that there aren't conspiracies. <laughs> uh, we, there, there certainly are. And I've just gone through just a, a handful. And there are plenty of, of others that, that could be named. Uh, so this is probably a good time for us to say what do we mean when we talk about a conspiracy theory. Yeah. You know, a conspiracy uh, just means collaboration between people in secret, uh, usually for nefarious purposes. Mm -hmm. Now, you probably don't have to add the nefarious part because that's why they're doing it in secret. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, they, they don't want it to see the light of day. So, but they're, they, a group of people, are carrying out something uh, to deceive. They don't want people to know. And so there definitely are conspiracies. The problem comes in knowing when there's a conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Everything I just talked about, we know about after the fact. Right. The problem today is, and I'd like to talk a little bit about how we got here, but the problem today is people believe that they can identify a conspiracy on the spot. Mm -hmm. and, they can, and they can alert you to the conspiracy that's going on. Yeah. They know what's happening. Now, how did that, how did that develop? So uh, to, to answer your question, yeah, there are conspiracies, uh, but they are secrets uh, that, uh, that people get together to collaborate on. But the question is, how do you know something is a, is yeah. a conspiracy? So that then entered the media. And you need help. We need help. And the media and the fact that we have a free press, uh, which is, you know, there's always been a battle in my entire life uh, and, and probably throughout the life of our country between politicians and the press. Mm -hmm. And of course, politicians always want good press. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they battle back and forth. But having a free press is a real blessing. Yeah, so that's a, that sounds like a good thing to me. Exactly. That, uh, there's accountability there. To uncover some secrets. Right, right. <laughs> but that takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And so you go back to Watergate and you think about these guys who made their name and won Pulitzer Prizes, Woodward and Bernstein working for the Washington Post. And then there was a movie, all the pre a book first, and then a movie, All the President's Men made about it. So some of you may have read the book, watched the movie, but that's what that's about. And they uh, did all of this uh, shoe leather uh, work 
chasing down what was going on. They, they got a source that they, they called Deep Throat, who was like the number two man, it turned out, we found out later at the FBI, who was telling them what was happening. But without that, you don't know. Mm -hmm. you're, you're in the dark. So having a media that can then investigate and then expose what's happening uh, is a very good thing. Mm -hmm. And that, that raises flags for people uh, immediately when you say media sometimes. And can, maybe, maybe we should talk a little bit about that. Yeah, about how people are, uh, their, their views of the media yeah. and, yeah. and the negative views right. of right. the media. Yeah, exactly. So how does that develop? Mm -hmm. So you get you know Woodward and Bernstein doing their thing, winning Pulitzer prizes, you know having movies made about them, having Robert Redford, uh, you know, uh, be uh, Woodward. <laughs> and if you look at Bob Woodward, <laughs> Bob Woodward's still alive. He looks nothing like Robert Redford. <laughs> but but if you can win a Pulitzer prize, I hope when they Robert make the Redford. movie about our church that somebody <laughs> as handsome as Robert I, Redford. I, I don't even want to think about who they might pick. <laughs> so so uh, and Dustin Hoffman was the other, you know. So these guys just, you know, they've made a whole career for decades now. They've lived off of, you know, what they did in the seventies. Mm -hmm. And so you get all these would-be journalists, wannabe uh, Woodwards and Bernsteins, mm -hmm. and they want to do investigations. It, 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 it kind of morphed into what's sometimes called gotcha journalism. Right. And so you've got, uh, you've got journalists so wanting to uncover what's really going on that they ask questions in a way that are designed, and we've all seen it, and we've all cringed at it and say, you know, show a little respect, you know, as you, as you do this. But that, that was something new. That didn't happen. That didn't happen in the 50s. That didn't happen in the 60s. really didn't happen much in the 70s. It was after uh, Watergate, after all of that, that journalism kind of shifted in, in that direction. However, throughout my life, uh, the media has been, by and large, liberal. And as I was growing up in the 70s and certainly into the 80s when Reagan was the president and then after him, George H.W. Bush, the media just treated them, frankly, awfully uh, and asked them uh, questions in a disrespectful kind of way. Some of you who are watching this may be old enough to remember Sam Donaldson from ABC News, and he was regularly doing that with Reagan. Uh, today, that would look very tame the way he asked yeah. the questions compared to yeah. what's going on now. But, but that was offensive to many people. It was offensive to me. And what was really difficult was the entire media, by and large, was, was liberal. Now, I mm -hmm. say that. That's a huge statement. But I say that because there are actually studies about it, uh, about surveys done, about people in the media, about their views. And their views were overwhelmingly mm -hmm. liberal. Yeah, this is this uh, reminds me of as I'm becoming an adult, yeah. uh, and becoming a I became a Christian uh, in my late teen years, right right as I'm becoming an adult, and uh, hearing people in my Christian circles, you know, complaining about that fact right. and, and distressed about that, right. and so me you know gaining that mindset uh, and, and hearing, and then starting to see conservative news sources pop up and, and hallelujah yeah right 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 rejoicing okay finally yeah that, that's exactly right so that's that's what happened you had only three broadcast networks for decades three yeah, yeah that's hard for people <laughs> now yeah. young people to imagine you got 500 channels or you know a thousand channels or as many channels as you yeah. want right you had three plus all of your online sources and all the online stuff yeah. you had three channels and so what they fed you was the news mm -hmm. and then to to 
find out that what they're feeding you is from a liberal slant then was really problematic, to put it, to put it mildly. So when cable comes, and now you can start to proliferate some more news sources, 1980, Ted Turner starts CNN. And CNN was viewed, you know, the way CNN's viewed today, but when it first came and Ted Turner came up with it, it was actually viewed by people who were more conservative as, you know, finally. And in fact, he touted <laughs> it that way. He touted it that way. <laughs> That's got to be hard for yeah. conservative people to realize now. <laughs> to think about think now, about, yeah. you know, the way it's developed. But then, 1980, that's the way it was. But he gave an alternative. And he, he touted it as an alternative to, to the, the few choices that you had available to you. And then more cable stations came on, came, networks came online. But a sea change occurred in 1996 when Fox News mm -hmm. came. And Rupert Murdoch hired a guy named Roger Ailes to be the CEO of Fox News. Roger Ailes had been involved in the Reagan campaigns in the 80s. So he had been involved in running campaigns and been involved in PR for, for campaigns. And he had been involved in political campaigns for conservatives like Reagan. So he felt the sting of the liberal media. Mm. And he knew lots of people in the country felt that sting. So when he There's a market for this. There's a market. <laughs> he tapped in exactly right. Yeah, I, I was graduating market. from college in 94 okay. and heading to seminary. And this is all happening as I'm really starting to become aware of current events. And, yeah. and you're, you've got to be thinking, hey, this is terrific. Yeah. You know? yeah. And in many, in many ways it was. You know, because you had such a slanted perspective given to people, well, now at least we can do a fair and balanced. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, the guy was a genius, right? right? There's a market for this, and he marketed it properly. And frankly, you know, this is just one man's opinion, but uh, for a very long time, at least, that was what was, was going on, and that's what they were trying to do. Uh, but over time, uh, you, you develop more and more so-called right-wing media to counterbalance the liberal mm -hmm. media. And you got now Rush Limbaugh has been around you know, for decades and Mark Levin and really out there people like Michael Savage on the radio and, and that kind of thing. And just over and over again, not to mention the internet. Uh, and then Fox News. And Fox News became the uh, channel of choice then for mm -hmm. people who wanted a fair and balanced. Um, but just to give one illustration of how Maybe the balance doesn't hold quite as much, mm -hmm. you know, now over time. Uh, one of the shows that they had early on was Hannity and Combs. Right. Remember that? Do you? Mm -hmm. And you know, it wasn't just Hannity. It was Hannity right. and Combs. And Alan Combs, now, now deceased, but Alan Combs uh, was a liberal. So in the fair and balanced approach, they had both these guys, a conservative guy. I, I remember in my youthful exuberance thinking, why do they need this guy on here? Why do they need him? <laughs> they decided, and I'm sure they got lots of cards and letters from people. Yeah. And emails saying the same thing. Because they ended up getting rid of Combs. So uh, this show that was designed uh, to be balanced, have a liberal and a conservative. CNN tried to do the same thing. They had a show called Crossfire, where you had a liberal and, a, and a conservative. And, uh, but over time, positions became more hardened, more polarized. Mm -hmm. So that now you have one set of liberal media, you have a whole other set of conservative media, and people now simply go to the media of their choice. Mm. And we get fed to us a liberal perspective 
or a strictly conservative right-wing perspective. Mm -hmm. And there's very little, unfortunately, there's very little in between. Yeah. So that I think is a good uh, transition into, uh, I think really kind of the applicational part of what we want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's polarized content available to us. We're getting this uh, you know, liberal perspective, conservative perspective. What, what are we to do if we're to try to dig through and get to the truth? What kind of advice can you give to folks who are trying to take a balanced approach and value truth? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, add to everything we've talked about. So the influence in our culture that's gotten us to where we are, Bob, the way politics and government have gone, and then the way media has gone. <clears throat> and then add to that, it's all happening in the midst of a, what's called a culture war. Mm -hmm. And we as Christians care deeply about many of the issues involved in the culture war. You know, we care deeply about life and being pro-life. We care deeply about marriage and the sanctity of, of marriage. So we care about these things. And going back to really the 80s and with Ronald Reagan and with the Moral Majority and Jerry Falwell, uh, there have been evangelical leaders, Christian leaders, who have gotten involved in the political sphere in order to see the cultural war waged in a way that uh, righteousness prevails you know, in, in our laws and in our land. And so we, we care about that. <clears throat> but we're getting our news sources in this polarized fashion. So we... We want to choose, understandably, sources of news that are on our side in the cultural war. Mm. And if they're on our side in the cultural war, then that's who we're going to listen to. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is then you're getting one side, not always about just the cultural issues now, right. but about Many, many, many other issues. But everything. It's shaping. It's shaping the way we the way we think. The way we think about a virus mm -hmm. and why it's happening and how it's being promoted and all of that. So we've chosen our sources, and we've chosen our sources so that we many, many on both sides, liberal and conservative, listen to only one set of news sources. And so that being the case, you are inordinately influenced for everything that you're, you're being told there. That creates something called confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. that, that I have a bias, and I only want to listen to people who confirm what I already believe. And, and so we have certainly a confirmation bias about biblical issues. But now we've created a confirmation bias about extra-biblical issues. Yeah. Things we don't have revealed truth about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And now those have become part of the pantheon of issues that we are engaged with the world on. And to the world, unfortunately, they look just as important to us as these priority biblical issues mm -hmm. that we legitimately got involved in. In, in warring for. So here's what happens. It's no longer for us what is being said. Mm. It's who's saying it. That's huge, yeah. As long as the right people are saying it, then I believe it. We don't scrutinize it as much. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair, we live in what's called the information age. Mm -hmm. 
And you, we all are getting bombarded with information. So it's easier to just say, I'm going to get my information from here because I don't have time to sift through all of it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let someone else be the arbiter of the truth for me. And then with my confirmation bias, I'm going to put it out there. Now, how do you know that you're involved in that? How do you know that that's what you're doing? Here's how you know. <laughs> when your source or sources of news put something out and you reflexively believe it and you reflexively want other people to believe it and you put it out there. Mm -hmm. So... It's too good not to share. <laughs> too good not to share. So, you know, you go back to, hey, we don't trust anymore. We know they've lied to us a lot. They may still be lying to us. And we know who they are. If I'm on this side, it's them. <laughs> if I'm on this mm -hmm. side, it's them. So we know, we have reason to believe that they're lying to us. And so there are conspiracies going on. And I can identify, this goes back to what I said earlier. The issue isn't, are there conspiracies? The issue is, we think we have the ability to identify them on the spot. How can we do that? Because we're being fed by our chosen news source. And when they shape what we think, and when they tell us that the virus is a hoax, you know, or what's being done with the virus is a hoax, then immediately we have a, a knee-jerk reaction, and we put it out there because it's true. To us, it's true. It rings true. Let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. So over this last few months, you know, none of us have been able to, to meet much starting to loosen up a bit now, thank, thankfully. Yeah. But over these last few months, I've had lots of Zoom meetings like many of you have had at work. and So I've had Zoom meetings. Uh, with We have community group Zoom meetings uh, for our church, but I've had Zoom meetings with other pastors. And every week I'm having at least one of those, sometimes a couple, with a different group of pastors. And about a little over a month ago, I was in one of those. All of these are guys that I love, respect, smart guys, good guys, wonderful guys. But none of us are immune to this confirmation bias idea. And then I just regurgitated it. So I'm in one of these meetings and one of the pastor friends says, hey, did you guys hear that the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, just announced, or announced that uh, they overshot how many deaths have occurred because of coronavirus? Now at the time, it said there were around 60,000. And this pastor said that they reduced it by 23,000, down to 37,000. Well, I was, I was shocked, absolutely shocked. I've been following these things very closely. And when he said that, I said, that had to have happened just within the last hour, right? <laughs> because I haven't, he goes, no, no, that happened a couple days ago. Now, when he said that happened a couple days ago, I knew there's something wrong here. There's no way that there was a revision like that to something as important as that, and I've heard nothing about it. <laughs> but it only took a couple of clicks to see that this was a, a hoax. Now, here's what's interesting. One of my other pastor friends, another great guy, as soon as this fellow said, hey, they reduced this by 23,000, they've been overestimating the number of deaths, this other pastor said, bingo, immediately. Hmm. Actually, I don't think he said bingo because we're Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said something like... Rook. <laughs> I don't know. What's, what, I don't know fish, Uno. <laughs> he said spot on, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's going on. Now, notice that's confirmation bias. Yeah. You, you know, you haven't investigated it. You don't know anything about it. But that's what you think's going on. Why do you think that's going on? Because of all the stuff we've, mm -hmm. we've said here. Huh. You've, we've been set, we've, been, we've allowed ourselves to be set up to want to believe particular things. Yeah. 
So then we hear them, we immediately I, react to that. I can relate to that. I can I feel that when I read something that I suspect there was the case, and immediately if it goes along with my uh, preconceived idea, I want to accept it. So yeah. what do we do? You ask, what do we do? Yeah. Well, one, look, uh, friends, let's, let's remember uh, truth is not a tactic. Hmm. That's well said. Truth is not a strategy. Truth is, okay? And we need to be people of truth, and we need to care about truth. Truth is valuable because it's true, not because it's useful. Hmm. Not because it's useful to our political end or our political agenda or it furthers something else. It's either it's true no matter who said it, if in fact it is true. I used to have a, a manager back when I had a real job. <laughs> I worked in the computer field. And <laughs> now you're only working one day a week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, he would say this. He said, the genesis of an idea does not determine its veracity. Hmm. Could you define that? For yeah, I know. <laughs> Explain I know. those the big genesis. The genesis, the beginning, you know, the origin, does not determine veracity, truth. Mm-hmm. Where it came from doesn't determine whether it's true. So considering the source. Exactly. You don't, you, you know, and that's what we're doing. It's not unwise to consider the source, but that's not how you determine whether it's true or not. Exactly. That's right. not sufficient to exactly. call, make the call. Exactly. And it is totally sufficient for us now, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. because of the polarization. So what do, what do we do? I say a few things. One, rewind the tape of your mind. You know, we try to lay out just in very broad terms the cultural moment we're in and how we got to where we are and why we think the way we do and and why we're being fed what we are the way we are. So rewind that tape now. You know, go back and, and say, you know what, maybe I need to not simply believe everything that I hear from particular sources from any side. Mm -hmm. And be willing then to go and do the work of finding out if something is indeed actually actually true. Now, you say, man, I got a job, I've got a life. I don't have time to read all that. Fair enough. In fact, good for you (laughs) that you've got a life, you know, and you don't have time to do all of that. Fine. Then don't put it out there as if you know. Don't be an instant expert. Don't tell everybody else something else is true simply because it fits with what you want to be true. We have gone from being willing to believe something might be amiss to wanting it to believe, wanting to believe it's amiss Mm -hmm. because it'll help our side. It'll make the other side look bad. That's where we are now. So rewind. Mm. rewind That really is allowing us ourselves to elevate our own agenda above the truth. That's right. Yeah. Exactly right. And then the second thing is, rewind the tape of your mind, but also discipline your mind going forward. I said at the beginning of this that Christians of all people should be people who value the life of the mind. Discipline the mind. Discipline the way you think. Think about it. Process it. Uh, it's considered a fruit of the Spirit. You know, one of the nine fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Hmm. Well, that certainly means controlling our thoughts. Controlling what we think. You know, we started the written blog, Church Matters. Uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 of these we've done now, whatever. You know, I do just one a week. And I get paid to think. You know, I mean, I get paid to write. I get paid to communicate. So I've got some time to do that. But you know what? Those things are only about 1,100 words, 1,000 words. And it takes a while to think through all of that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I've got time to do that, and I'm thankful for that. And other people don't have time to do that, and, and I certainly understand that. But my point is that to really think things through takes some time. And if we value truth, then we need to discipline our minds to take that time. And if we don't have that time, then don't communicate what we don't know to be true. Diversify your sources is, is another uh, piece of advice. You know, just instead of just having one channel on all the time or one radio station or you know, one, listen to the other side. Remember, the, the genesis of an idea does not determine whether or not it's, it's true. And then lastly, prioritize your testimony, mm -hmm. brothers and sisters. So important. Because the world is watching, in especially the world of social media, and what we're putting out there and what we're, what we're saying and how we're saying it uh, is, is being viewed as what we value. Mm -hmm. And it's reflecting everything we do. If people know we're Christians, reflects on the Lord Jesus. So prioritize your testimony. It probably means we need to do less commentary mm -hmm. on a lot of the stuff that we're arguing about. But certainly, you've got the right to express yourself, but express yourself as a Christian, as someone who values truth, and someone who prioritizes their testimony for Christ. Yeah, great. That's great advice. Um, well, I think, I think that covers... Okay. I'm out of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I said at the beginning that uh, we had a number of folks, as I've mentioned, what we're doing, and as you announced it last Sunday, ask how they could get questions to us. We, uh, this format is new to us. We're not exactly sure how it'll go uh, going forward. We think uh, the time being, while we're not meeting physically, uh, we have opportunity to produce some of this. Uh, it, will, it will show on Sunday mornings during our second hour time slot, uh, but we'll also be publishing these onto our blog as kind of a, a video blog post. And um, so as time goes on, we may have occasion to cover more topics. And if, uh, if you are interested in a topic, we, we would not promise that we're going to get to all or any of the topics that, that you submit, but we can, we can use ideas. Uh, you can send them to us at the uh, church email, info at cbctrenton.com. Uh, or if you wanted to text them in, Pastor Ken shares the text uh, code every week. We normally tell you you can send in CBC Connect to 97000. Uh, really, you don't even have to put that keyword in there. That's going to get you a link back to get to mm -hmm. our content on our website. You could just send a question as a text message to 97000. And like I said, we've got ideas already that we'd like to talk about in the next several weeks. Uh, but if there's something really that you uh, would like to hear addressed, let us know. And particularly if a lot of you have the same question, mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll be able to work that in. Well, we'll pray over all the letters that, that come into us. Uh, God has a miracle for you. Um, we cash all checks that come in. No, wait a minute. That's not what we're doing. Is wrong it? wrong okay, channel. Right. Wrong I don't channel. know. It's just something about the camera that makes you go into that mode. I think. Who was it that said uh, several weeks ago, uh, just like that, we're all televangelists. <laughs> no longer meeting in person. So, well, we, we are very uh, grateful. We've had very faithful attendance, I guess mm -hmm. you would call it, with our online uh, with the church family tuning in week after week to watch the live stream. So thank you for watching this. And uh, Pastor Ken, thanks for taking the time yeah. to think through this topic and to uh, share some wisdom with us. Welcome. All right. Have a good week. <laughs>